It's a daily talk show episode 292 with Jason Fox, Dr. Jason Fox. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Welcome back. Thanks. Uh, it's been a while since you were last on, but you had your better half. Yes. Unless you think you're the better half out of that duo. No, no, definitely the better half. Yeah, yeah. And that was like one of your early videos. The video previous, one. The yeah, exactly. This week you had the hot day. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, oh, I think Kim was on. The yeah. days that. Yeah. The, yeah, the temperature gets crazy in here. So Kim Lamb is, you guys are married. I mean, it just throws <laughs> me off that her full name's Kim Lamb and your name's Jason Fox. her full name is a lot longer with is the it? Vietnamese thing. I can't pronounce it properly, but- uh, Come on. <laughs> no, no. Because the Vietnamese language has these odd phonetics. And so if you have any hint of uncertainty, yeah. like if you end on an upward note, like a question mark, um, it screws the whole meaning. So if, I haven't if, quite if nailed you it can't yet. nail it, I'll never be able to nail it. Kim was on Dr. episode two hundred and seventy. I just was asked these guys <laughs> to work it out. Seventy-three. Josh got on his phone. He's le- trying to let me. Two seventy-three. Yeah. And you were episode one. Uh, was it ninety-nine? Was it just before Hamish Blake uh, or after? Maybe it was one hundred one or something. One hundred and one, yeah. And so, and now you're back, two hundred ninety-two. And so, the doctor in Doctor Jason Fox. That's because you've got a doctorate in something. Is that how it works in philosophy? Mm. Okay, great, Mister Ninety-Seven. We've been talking about this um, uh, pre-show. Yeah, he had a date. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so you sort of landed on an episode where we're in the thick of it. People have probably just tuned so, in yeah, as yeah. much as they, they want to hear you and I think they should want <laughs> no, to no, hear no, you. No, this is, this is, no actually what's more is weird is, is your uh, your friends that have no idea who Mr. 97 is landing on this episode because yeah. they're in for a ride too yeah, because last yeah. night Mr. 97 went on his very first date. Like he's 19, never been on a date. This was his very first one mm. and, but, we, and we hooked it up. <laughs> we well we well we no, did shameless girls you catalyzed did. it yeah, yeah. No, but I do like that it's just yeah. like that was the the end of that sentence <laughs> yeah. and, it's like, and we, we did yeah, it yeah, yeah. it was us but so but we <laughs> thought you are the most qualified person to what's psycho analyst like to psychoanalyze is that something you can do it's something you do josh (laughs) i don't think it's something that's ever appreciated but uh (laughs) many amateurs attempt it okay Uh, great i love a good amateur psychoanalyze (laughs) no i I think it's good so i I will just say a few observations about mr 97 yesterday Mm. was that he dropped the ball oh and i say that in a a loving way it wasn't just him dropping the ball on a on a normal day it was a day that his first date was about to happen he left the camera out he um, didn't lock the cabinet that where we keep the camera. He um, left the lights on. Yeah, all, all the yeah, gear wow. was left on. He was freaking out because yeah. he was only a few hours away from his, from his wow. first date. So we thought <laughs> this could be a good opportunity. We had the debrief in regards to the date. Yeah. And uh, we thought that you were in a great position to have a good five-minute chat with Mr. 97 mm. to have a bit of an under – I don't know if you could use some of your um, – What's a different side? Just very quickly, this slight side note: different schools of psychology. Mm-hmm. When people say Freud, uh, Freudian, Freudian, yeah. if it's a Freudian slip, yes. Why is it a Freudian slip? My, I, I haven't gone in deep into Freud, but like uh, my understanding is that is you make some sort of accidental sexual in, innuendo um, uh-huh. that relates to your relationship with your parents 
or uh, some sort of like historical thing. Really? So, yeah. I feel like I mm. use it all in the wrong way. I might way. have just quoted that in the wrong way. No, but I think, okay, that's interesting. And so right. there's different types of cycles. So that's one school. Yes. What Going are the deep, like India past. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, atological they call that. Which we're, like we're only going to give you five minutes <laughs> with <laughs> yeah, Mr. 97, sure. so we probably yeah. can't go and do his yeah, past. Sure. Yeah. yeah, so maybe, so Freud's off the table. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> what, what are the other forms of sort of ways that we can look at the oh, way that we so think? so many schools of thoughts. Like there's uh, Adlerian psychology, which mm. uh, is more uh, teleological. So that means more about what were your intentions or goals or objectives uh, and how that shaped things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, Oh, gosh, we'll get into philosophy, narrative, and all, all sorts of things. I think that the boundaries between different domains of thought are fairly nebulous. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have a dance for t- five minutes and then okay. see what emerges. And so if I just quickly on the psychology thing, if I'm trying to find a psychologist, do I – like I know that when Brie was finding one, she definitely wasn't thinking about is this person – a Freud mm. is Adlerian or whatever it's called. Yeah. The, the thought usually is, can I get subsidised for this expensive one-on-one session? I think it's increasingly more important in this modern world as we experience more and more alienation and the mm. fragmentation of our own sense of personality and self through social media and all the other distractions. So what to look for in a psychologist? Yeah. I don't know. Just uh, can you Do you feel comfortable? Can you hang out with them? Can you just open up in a natural way without them seeming to rely on some dated dogma. Mm. So would so do most psychologists say I am of this school? <clears throat> Not so much. Um, I, I wouldn't I would I would, that'd be a warning bell if they mm-hmm. said that. Yeah. I think they would be more a good psychologist would be listening to you, be really curious mm. and just be offering new perspectives or ways of seeing okay. things and so if, if I ask that question of a psychologist, like I'm just trying to think yeah. of like if there's a different, if you've got a car and there's different ways to service mm. the engine, I might want to say I actually only want them to do it this certain way. Is that me being a control freak to say, hey, I need to know exactly what <laughs> yeah. sort of technique you're going to use? It's okay to say yes. Um, well, yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it would be going into it with a whole fixed notion of what, you're, what, we, <laughs> what you want the method to be. Um, I mean, let's just like little caveat, my background's in philosophy rather yeah. than psychology. Yeah. But uh, I think just a general looseness to this, teasing it out, seeing what works, seeing mm-hmm. what seems to, seems to work, that's probably the best approach. Mm. Okay. Uh, what I'm drawing the um, the connection between is finding a psychologist and Mr. 97 going dating. Very similar things. Yeah, exactly. You're going to test it. You're going to build rapport. You're going to yeah. see how you you know nice, interact. Nice yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so one just costs money. The other doesn't. Well, I think ph- philosophy is a good place to like. I think looking at this whole dating thing mm-hmm. from a philosophical oh, yeah. lens. Oh. Is Nothing it? more practical. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And well, so you're a thinker and Mr. 97 is a thinker. So I think oh, yeah. maybe you could course, untap yeah. some of that yeah, yeah. sort of inner be, thinking that's gonna going on. Rich, rich did, and confusing. Did you have – in um, <laughs> WA, did you have like enter scores yeah, or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do okay? Uh, yeah, I did okay. Okay. Because yeah. we did – Tommy and I both yeah. weren't great. And oh, I, I don't, don't have one. Again, <laughs> yeah, right. I, and I, so throw you, yeah, no, I was going to throw yeah, you under I the bus completely. I've, we've actually split up Josh's between us. We've got yeah, 20 each. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah, horrendous. It's yeah. um, no, but it's so interesting when you are growing up how much importance is put on that number. How much emphasis parents yeah. seem to put on that. I'm not, mm. Yeah, yeah. It's an, it's an odd psyche and dynamic nowadays, but um, I don't know how relevant it is compared to mm. what it mm. used to be. What did you get? 
Uh, 88 was my uh, yeah, right. Let's yeah. bring in the most uh, intelligent <laughs> one in the room on paper. <laughs> he doesn't have a degree. You do. You're but, a doctor. But it's WA. The thing is the <laughs> WA standards versus Victorian. I don't know, like from a I, – I feel like WA might look down it's upon Victorian. number, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to save, save face for Dr. Jason Fox. All right, so um, we're going to give you five minutes yeah, to great. chat to Mr. 97. Uh, Jason, you jump into my seat. Yeah, Mr. 97 is going to come in. All we're right, actually great. Go on, this is the easiest podcast. This, we've is, this is great. Mr. 97. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Wow, so this is exciting. Thanks for stepping into Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, first date. Um, yeah. What I'm so curious about is what what's the n- thank you. Um, I, I want to get a sense of like how were you physiologically yeah, before sure. it happened, yeah, and what were you imagining would play out, mm. or what you were hoping for. Yeah, sure. I think going into it, I was a little little bit nervous about it. I think leading. Where did you experience the nervousness? How did you know you were nervous? Uh, heart rate, definitely yeah, the heart yeah. rate. Yeah, the uh, the heart was pounding a little bit, but it was, I think, it was actually all right because I got there and I was I was more excited than nervous, which was which was great. So it sort of like cool. reframed it, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great technique anyway yeah, yeah. for everyone, like reframing nerves into excitement yeah. or anticipation. So, like, what were the like? Did you did you feel that you had a narrator, or were you editing yourself, or did you feel quite in the moment when you're there? Nah, the 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 to- the sort of. The night that it was, it was just like relaxing and, and, and chill. So it was, yeah, it, nothing was forced. It was just sort of, I could just go with the flow and be myself. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's yeah, it cool. What do you think made it relaxing? Um, just just it being like just like a... Preparation or... Nah, like nah, just it being like a whole open environment. Just, I mean... And also having his dog with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they have animals in like uh, retirement villages and aged care. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently when you pat them, it helps people down. So nah, you brought your own... Yeah, I brought my pup. But it was um, not just doing normal things, like going out, picking up food, that sort of thing, going shopping at the supermarket. So, oh, okay. So you started off at the supermarket. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. Um, and so why were you at the supermarket for your first date? I mean, it's... Had, yeah, we, we picked up some food for dinner. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and did you have in your mind, like, little ploys, like, hmm, I'm going to pick the organic stuff and I'm going to show how uh, progressive I am? Nah, nah, I sort of just went with the flow. Didn't, I didn't, thi- didn't want to overthink anything, so oh, I just okay. sort of, yeah, went with it. Yeah, just yeah. putting in anything in the yeah, yeah. yeah, like Tim Tams and <laughs> stuff. Yeah. No, nah, it, was, it was all healthy stuff. All right, what were you cooking? Uh, we were going to do Mexican, but we just made um, wraps with beans and stuff. Oh, why, why, why did you just, when you say just made? Oh, uh, yeah, well, it was just, it was just a bit easier, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's worth pointing out. Two, 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 there we go. Uh, Mr. 97, is it worth pointing out the fact that you didn't ask the dietary requirements beforehand? That's not worth it. <laughs> she may have been All vegetarian. Right, okay. we'll, she may have been vegetarian. Let's, let's let's go back to the philosophy of this. Yeah, show. yeah. All right. So so like, what have you made this mean? Like, this is a this is a funny mm. thing. First, like in Western society, this is like a milestone from the yeah. masculine lens, which yeah, I sure. think there are some healthy components to. Mm. But we don't want to dial this up too much and become toxic masculinity. Yeah. So the next, like, like reflecting on this, like, mm. how do you feel? What, what like? What's changed in you? Um, I've probably developed more confidence from it. Yeah. Just just doing something that I've never done before and something that put me in 
lots of discomfort it just pushed my boundaries heaps so yeah, yeah. right okay so more, what, so when you say lots of, like what so more confidence what would mm. it mean how might you approach things differently in the future um probably probably not worry about it as much just yeah. just sort of go in with with excitement instead of what yeah reframe that as excitement what were you most worried about uh conversation yeah it was great though it was yeah she was lovely so yeah what about conversation, the conversation? was fine uh just not not making it too awkward how would you make it awkward not having enough to talk about i don't know oh right yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. something like that yeah yeah but nowadays got it got it covered yeah okay so what's next then what's next i don't know maybe maybe another catch-up i don't know okay and are you yeah. like, are you doing the whole psychology of like who texts next and like you don't want to, you don't want to seem too enthusiastic, right? Yeah. Texting immediately after, but yeah, you don't yeah. want it to go all cold and. Yeah, I, that's, that's something that I'm cautious of not overthinking too okay. much. Wow. I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get caught in. So this is fascinating, like for me, because I'm an overthinker, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like deliberately, consciously trying yeah, not to yeah. overthink this. Yeah. Do you like, if you catch yourself, do you like catch yourself thinking about it and then just. So, okay, don't worry yeah, yeah, I sort of, it, yeah, it'll, it'll pop into my head or something will come up that I said or something and I sort of just quell the idea. Like right. it's, yeah. Okay, quell <laughs> the idea. Hmm. This is fascinating for me. Like yeah. that, that seems to have a certain level of self-awareness and discipline to yeah. not kind of go into those spirals. Yeah, yeah. So, but then the risk is not overthinking about it. Isn't there a risk that you might be too chill, like too, like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Moment, like, I think... Yeah, I, I th- yeah, there is that risk, but I, I feel like I've, I've got enough uh, confidence to be okay in, yeah, cool. in doing that. So what's something, not too worried it, what's about that. What's something when you reflect back on yesterday mm. that you're kind of quietly quite chuffed about in yourself, like that you notice, like I thought that I might blah, but then this happened, and I'm really happy with how that. Yeah, oh, probably, yeah, probably just going back to the whole conversation thing. It was, it just ended up, just, I, yeah, we just ended up having, having a really nice chat. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. Yeah. Can, can I just ask quickly? Sorry, guys. Yeah, what qualifies as a nice chat? Like, how, I want to kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. treat this like a whiskey tasting, right? You know, <laughs> like, let's say, let's say how, what is a nice chat? Yeah, probably just one that's that's easy. You can just be yourself in. That's got, got a bit of banter. That's funny. Okay. A few jokes. And what does it mean for you when you're being yourself? Um. Yes, giving, uh, there's... Like making jokes, giving the other person shit, just talking, talking a bit of banter. Talking smack. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, cool. And uh, this seems you seem so chill, right? <laughs> this is I can't believe this is a guy who's just been on his first date. Um, Nineteen as well. Yeah. Pretty, like a I lot ex- of um, wisdom. I expected like the or, like odd stories or fireworks or things. It seems pretty chill and cool. Like, are you sure nothing nothing happened? Like, what? Wait, was the dog with you the whole time? What's your dog yeah, name? Abby. Abby. Abby's Abby yeah, cool. my dog's name. Yeah, she was. She wasn't. She was stressing out a little bit. Oh, she was. Uh, right. She was. Yeah. Yeah. She. Yeah. No. She was. She was going from a. She must have known what the deal this was. Yeah. 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 She was. She wasn't the best wingman, but it's all right. <laughs> wow. And so, oh. ninety-seven. Just very quickly. Mm. I mean, what's the. Uh, the shameless audience. I feel like we owe it to them. You've got a bunch of DMs. Yeah. Future dates for other people, keeping it all open. Yeah. What do you see as the next step with your dating life over the next month? Um. Yeah, definitely, definitely still open. 
Open for business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. And so you'll probably message, you haven't messaged Sharon yet? No. Okay. I will do. Okay, so you've got to probably <laughs> message Sharon because it's been, tw- I think 12 hours is a good period of time. And then uh, from there, tomorrow, would it be fair to say that you could potentially have another date lined up or at least in the works for someone else? Yeah, potentially. Okay, Maybe. great. Wow. <laughs> so, so smooth. Well, he is, is chill. The, the chill thing. Yeah. And how, what was your, fir- do you remember what your first date was Oh, like? Jesus. I would have had like so many narratives. Like I would have imagined all these different scenarios of how things could have been. And it would have been mm-hmm. back at 19, I would have been like heroes journeying it, like <laughs> looking for opportunities to do something kind of significant or um, that, that kind of like real signifiers of my character uh, and totally overthinking it. And then in the moment kicking myself for like, shit not working out as I thought it would and then mm. being solely disconnected from the moment, not really present, not experiencing flow and stuff like that. It seems like you've bypassed all that awkwardness and mm. you've landed on a space which is quite natural. Yeah. It's so interesting. Look, Mr. 97, since I've known him, seeing how I perceive him and how he can might perceive himself, it's so fascinating The thinking about that awkwardness and thinking about – it's so, it's so out of the moment to be yeah, thinking yeah. about the moment mm. because once it's like if you're a painter and you're just flowing, it's like you're just connecting to it. Mm, where yeah. it's like it is a it's a challenge. Why do we overthink? What is? Oh well, it's funny because I grew up without social media, but I think in this day and age with social media, for those that are addicted to it or in the system, there's so much preening involved. Mm. There's so much like curating of what facets of yourself you put forth Mm. which requires you to think about how do I want to perceive Mm. and then puts you in this kind of whole web of perception management where you realize that people are going to be forming impressions of who you are Mm. based upon the snippets of what they see Mm. and so therefore you'll start thinking okay well I best show these snippets so that they think highly of me and stuff like that To, to kind of bypass all that noise and get back to this space where you can just be a little bit more real, a bit more human, I think mm. is, is remarkable. I think it's wonderful. How do you try and – I guess what I try and avoid is being cool, being okay with being cool, but also not being emotionally unavailable. <coughs> so saying like would there be yeah. any feedback to Mr. 97 that potentially there's a, a risk in – it's okay if things don't work out? I, yeah, I think you're, that's a really astute observation. Um, and I would say that it's like Mr. 97 could afford to possibly show the, the – I mean, it's pretty vulnerable coming up and, like, doing this whole experiment. This is great. This itself. is like Married like, at First Sight where they do the, the experts I mean, coming in. But just go hard because they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like something you've really, got more credentials than yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something quite charming where like we get to air out our insecurities mm-hmm. and we get to allow like others to see a glimpse into their mm-hmm. own our own inner insecure world because it just reminds us oh they're just as insecure as I am yeah. and stuff and it, just, it helps to bridge connections so um, you know the coolness as a psychological trait you know you, you you deconstruct James Bond and the mm-hmm. coolness there it's it's it comes down to the physiology minimal movement particularly minimal head movement mm-hmm. uh, where it's someone who's really affectionate it'd be terrible like, on our show it'd um, <laughs> <laughs> be eyeballing the camera the whole yeah, time yeah, yeah staring it down and yeah. and that kind of emotional kind of stoicness or stoniness mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is cool in this mm-hmm. day and age yeah and I think that the other thing too to give Mr. 97 so much credit mm. his biggest concern this morning was 
I don't want to talk too many details about the date mm. because I uh, really respect the girl. I, lo- I like the person I went on the date with mm. and I don't want it to be, yep. a th- you know, he's, he's emotionally available about his story, but I th- yeah. also yeah. think there's a self-awareness of knowing it's like, actually, this isn't just my story. Yeah. Yeah. This is also Sharon's story. If yeah. there's one way to grow confidence, it's exactly what he's doing. Mm. Opening up about his experience and mm-hmm. his feeling. Yeah, yeah totally. Like he's being, been a- being vulnerable, that's, it's commendable. Yeah. Like I look at that was one of the most awkward interviews I've seen. I know. <laughs> no other, re- I know, no other yeah. reason than yeah. you're talking to a kid who's just gone yeah. on his first date. Oh well, no, other reasons too. No, no, no. <laughs> seriously, but it's he, uh, him doing this is not easy. Yeah. No, no, not it's easy great. for anybody. I think you know. I think what we're seeing here is a nascent form of neo-masculinism, uh, and this is like there's this kind of new brand of masculinism where you can be, you can be manly without mm. there being that kind of toxic overtones where it gets taken out of hand. There's this kind of new mm. reforging of what it means. And I love how Mr. 97 has been such a gentleman about it. Mm. And there's been some respectful boundaries, but also a willingness to open up and play. Mm. What does the, when you think about to- toxic, I can't even say the, the whole phrase toxic masculinity, mm. uh, where within that whole conversation, there's a lot of people that, have these trigger words where they'll shut off and it doesn't end up becoming productive is are there other phrases or or ways of describing these things that can actually get more to the people who have good, these, good point, these traits yeah. <coughs> i tend to academicize this um I mean, I think a good thing to remember is that anything can be toxic in high enough doses, right? Mm. So even water, like yeah. you drink enough of it, you can, you can die. Um, mm. So it's that like how much of a dose of a particular thing gets too much where it actually starts to become unhealthy. Mm. So there's this kind of macho bravado, there's the, the kind of men catching up and having beers and stuff. But if that then turns into something that's exclusive, mm. if that then turns into something that emphasises the differences between men and women too much – if that becomes too wrapped up in the story of what masculinity is uh, and people start seeing too much specialist, specialness in identifying as manly and masculine and stuff like that, I think it can then lead to uh, alienation for others, mm-hmm. discomfort, uh, artificial uh, power asymmetries. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. So long story yeah. short, I don't know, I don't know what the other <laughs> term is. Well, how do, we, how do we, as two blokes doing mm-hmm. a podcast, mm-hmm. how do we avoid... The toxic bit so of masculinity. So what I reckon you guys do really, really well is you've got this combination, this both end of being totally yourselves, saying things as you would, and also maintaining open curiosity and the willingness to learn and to be like, uh, to, to accept that, you know, we look back on our past selves and sometimes we say shit that um, the current selves wouldn't say now knowing yeah. what we know now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, which I, I think you guys are demonstrating this ability to have a vivid and live what academics would call a protosynthesis. So by that, you know what a prototype is, like mm-hmm. a working model. Yeah. Um, it's just not, it's not finished. It's just like a, a rough type. And a synthesis is like where you synthesize all these different strands. So what you guys are doing is synthesizing all the experience, all the conversations you've had, all the knowledge you've gained into this kind of prototype, which is ongoingly mm-hmm. a prototype. And... You know, I think that the, your willingness to be yourselves and to be open to changing and in evolving yourselves mm. is... Mm. I like that. I'm just imagining just this new human reforming yeah. within <laughs> what we're doing. Uh, talking out loud and and talking through your thoughts has been the thing that has 
I feel developed me most rapidly in the last year and a bit. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the other thing that I think you guys have done really well here, there's this thing, a book um, by Nancy Klein, I think it is, um, called Thinking Environments. And one of the principles of a thinking environment is that you have permission, uh, almost this inherent permission to think in draft. Mm -hmm. So you have the ability to share your draft thoughts. These aren't your final positions. This isn't your stance. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) It's constant draft thoughts. And I think that in this day and age, people are so scared to share their draft thinking because you don't know if it's going to be put viral on on the internet Mm -hmm. and then used against Mm -hmm. you or you use as a point to defame you or taken out of context. And so, but I think you guys are demonstrating this Mm -hmm. kind of vulnerability and willingness to put yourselves out there in draft form, Mm -hmm. which is super special. Well, you've got someone like Joe Rogan or someone like Sam Harris. Sam Harris is an academic and he said on Joe's podcast, I can't, seem stupid because my brand is mm. the complete opposite mm. like i'm researched i'm you know educated how do you find that with your brand being you know uh, you're an academic mm. you've written books yeah you, you i don't know can you delve into our world or there is a funny psyche going on for me personally i've got the dr jason fox brand character. You guys are speaking to Jason Fox at the moment. I make a distinction because in the writing, the Dr. Jason Fox is quite wizardly. Mm. And sometimes when I appear on stage, I kind of, I bring a certain hubris and almost an aristocratic arrogance to, to the, the performance, which is coupled with this kind of humble, insecure version of Jason Fox. Um, what I would like to do is to have people, uh, I guess, I think there's there's a lot of narrative. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to expertise nowadays. And what it is is often just people trying to make sense of the world. And if we emphasise more on our thinking, our reasoning, our um, rationalising, how we come to certain perspectives and conclusions, and less about oh this person's an expert, they have all the answers, or this person's mm-hmm. a source of authority. Uh, I think that will get into a, a better space. And mm-hmm. so I try to demonstrate the blend of authority and approachability mm. at the same time. I think that that's the thing that I even think about doing this type of content. There is the uh, inclination to want to heighten guruism or whatever mm. you want to talk about it to uh, celebrate our guests that we have on. And so even thinking about last night how to uh, integrate uh, what you're great at with Mr. 97 – the things that were running through my head was like, we respect Jason. We said like it, it needs to be positioned in a way that is respectful of the fact that when you're coming on the show, you're not a clown, even though you well, are yeah. a fool <laughs> yeah, based on right, your, yeah. your word, word, of for, word of the year, that that we don't want to I wish undermine. you gave that no context. <laughs> <laughs> just called him a fool. And then I guess that, uh, and then the, <laughs> exactly. the other preface is like when we have – uh, you know, female guests on the show, we want to make sure that, hang on, are we, if we had done the Mr. 97 thing on a specific show, are we Are we then undermining their expertise? So yep. the, the doctor in Kim Lamb should be at the same extent as the doctor of Jason Fox and those things are so subconscious. Well, we, I just will say we would have got his dog in. She would have done a full interview. <laughs> <laughs> she is a veterinarian. A full examination. Yeah. I was going to say that the doctor in Kim Lamb is probably a much more useful. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I remember because in the 
trying to find the date for this. You inv- you said like you can come along on Fat Friday yeah. if you want, but maybe that's not on brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe Fat Friday is not so on brand. But mm-hmm. then there's this whole we get back into the whole grooming and the preening and yeah. the trying to present only a certain aspect of yourself. I think if we ditch the notion of like a lot of people carry this really crude notion that there's the ideal self and the shadow self, mm-hmm. and there's this false dichotomy between just two forms of self. If we see ourselves as multitudinous, um, as in there's multiple things that we're actually all individuals, so we we can we co-create each individuals? other. Individuals? Did you yeah, say? So what is individuals and what's div- is so it? Individual? An individual means in, indivisible. So it kind of speaks to the fact that there is some essential self within mm-hmm. us that you can't divide further. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more you look at it analytically, the more you see that. Um, the breakfast I had, the sleep that I had, the sleep that you had, yeah. all the things, the conversation you had. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't, didn't sleep. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of those things shape who we are in this pre- present moment. And yeah. so we realise that we're not actually an individual self. We're actually co-creating each other in mm. all of this. I think there's like it humanises individuals when we see someone like Obama telling some – you know, talking to some serious point, but then mm. you see him with his family laughing mm. and just mm. experiencing mm. life as everyone does. And I think that's probably you won best speaker in Australia. Mm. And and I I didn't see the speech that you gave. Was it one speech that you gave to uh, win it's that competition? Of, it's recognition of yeah, a lot of yeah. Yeah. Do you do like a show reel sort of thing? Is that oh, why no, they it's do it? Something the industry kind of keeps an eye on. You know who. Oh, that's cool. Professional, consistently doing mm. really good work. But from seeing you speak on videos, um, that's what you said about that sort of the insecure Jason mm. and then mm. the, you know, mm. bravado, the, the brought mm. performance, mm. Um, performance. That probably, they counter each other in such a nice way, which is yeah. humanizing you because yeah. it's like everyone is a bit fucked up. Yeah, totally. And everyone has fears. Tony Robbins, who's cupping his hands, he's insecure. Yeah. Uh, everyone is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's um, the so beautiful thing where we actually see most truth lies in paradox, where it seems that there's two opposing truths, but mm. looking at them together, you get there's these beautiful new things in, um, emerge. So sincerity and irony. Mm. So sometimes if we were pure sincerity, uh, that can be too much sometimes uh, and people get awkward. Like I remember I gave you an extreme compliment uh, at, uh, every day. Hashtag extreme compliment. <laughs> that's and it. I, I can't remember, but give oh, it again. Okay. But no, you had, well, because you had an, like many of us do, you had this kind of inbuilt like defense mechanism, like humorous, oh, brush it like, oh, you kind of turned it into a joke or something like that. It's like, oh yeah, I do. All, Rad, all, dude. All, all I've been told that before. Yeah, yeah. I've been told that I don't take compliments well. But it's also the extreme sincerity that I was doing it is like awkward, right? Yeah. So when irony and sincerity are kind of blended in together, you mm-hmm. have this kind of distancing, but you can still be kind of really authentic. And mm-hmm. that's a really special thing that I think is emerging in this day. How do people get to describing someone as insincere when there is sincerity? What's What do you think that is the actual distinction and what puts mm. someone in the position to understand their sincerity? Yeah, all right. So, so it's an interesting thing to call someone else insincere because – what you're more, it's more accurate is to say, I feel as though they yeah. are insincere. Mm-hmm. And there's, if you're in recognizing the feeling in yourself, it's probably because you're noticing some sort of incongruence between what the person is saying and what their actions are. So if someone's saying something and you look at the body language, you think that doesn't seem to like, you know, Match up. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to be here guys. It's like, yeah. mm, I'm not really sure. If yeah. you are, yeah. You know? And so this, 
one thing I've learned being on stage, uh, and I have such an allergy to the know-it-all, arrogant, uh, motivational speaker type, is that if I... I love that it's an allergy, by the way. Just imagine you, like, side of stage, just sneezing. Just yeah. every time. Oh. <laughs> you know, allergy, like, yeah. allergy is such a lovely word. In these <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, it's right. kind of like a, an ex- exaggerated reaction yeah. to particular Get things. Get hives. And it's yeah. not making them bad. It's just noticing yeah. in me I have this allergy. I love so that. I just noticed that when I say something on stage and, or anytime and I realise, oh, actually, that didn't feel right, I'll air that out in the moment rather than try to be try, try to persist with it. What's the air out? What does that look like? Uh, or I might say something like blah, 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 and then we're like, oh, shit, actually, that sounded a little bit arrogant or... You say, it to your, you say it to yourself? To myself with the okay. microphone on so everyone <laughs> can hear. So, you know, that seems to... I know, you know, if, if more people kind of did that, we get this kind of messier but mm. possibly truer sense of the world. What's been the... Have you had a moment on stage where you've had a bit of a panic attack where, you know, as someone who was the speaker of the year... What's been like one of those moments where you're like, this is the anti-speaker of the year experience? Is that a bombing? Is that like what a comedian yeah. experiences? Yeah, I've got this reframe to it, like this kind of anti-fragile perspective to yeah. it. Because um, like I find that when comedians, I love the moments when they're going off script, where mm, something's yeah. happened or someone's heckled and you're watching them kind of react and you realise, oh, cool, for this snippet of time, this is all super real. Mm-hmm. And you're getting a glimpse as to who they are in that particular, like a, a glimpse into their character under that uh, context. So anytime moments like that happen, like I remember I wore a vest once and I realised my torso was a bit longer than um, thing. So it has this kind of strip of, you can see the shirt underneath yes. the vest. And then... Um, uh, I, my jeans have gotten too big. And you know when you kind of tighten up your belt and oh, then it creates the this fold. like D thing? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of so I had yeah. the shirt poking out <laughs> underneath the belt of the back yeah. and I realised this on stage. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so you can't pretend that that's never happened. You can't pretend that the rest of the folks haven't seen it. So yeah. you just got to kind of own it. So I explained <laughs> my <laughs> torso and the shirt and so on. But people seem to love it and it was super endearing. <laughs> and I think that... I think people generally find it refreshing when people in supposed positions of authority like the Barack yeah. Obama show these glimpses of humanity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking if that's your biggest bomb, <laughs> just wore the wrong outfit. Okay, well, here's another one. Um, I Have you ever legit like gone, I've lost my train of thought? I, I mean, you don't win Spring of the Year for consistently doing that, but, I, you know, early days, like I think about early days of our oh. show, there's all – Moments yeah. where you are getting pulled out yeah. of the moment. Do you sweat a lot? Like I, as soon yeah. as anything's going bad for me, yeah, uh, I'll probably actually feel it first yeah. through the amount yeah, I'm yeah. sweating. Yeah. There are really bad times where you, you suddenly you, you notice you're sweating or something mm-hmm. like that, and then mm-hmm. suddenly you're not you, in the you're moment. Not attention to the audience. Yeah. You're kind of on yourself, and you're kind of preening, and you're all. And then the editor comes on. And you've got this editing voice whilst you're in the present moment and you're completely disconnected to all the nuances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the early days, everyone does this. They build too many slides and they're kind of reading off the slides. And um, what I've learned with when it comes to presentations is I'm most comfortable without slides or with very few slides mm-hmm. and I never practice. And wow. not practicing is the key to being a really good speaker, I believe. And so what's the framework then? If it's not the practicing, is it working in themes? Uh, yeah, kind of. You, you have your domains of knowledge and expertise and you have senses of how you might frame it. Mm. Um, it's almost like you have a deck of cards of like different 
um, what a mate of mine, Matt Church, calls IP snapshots, mm-hmm. intellectual property snapshots. I think so Seth Godin does this so well. Like I know it's yeah. on the podcast with him. We could throw him anything yeah. and it was sort of synthesized into an article in front of our yeah. eyes. Yeah, it's beautiful. Whereas if you practice a presentation and you've kind of got it timed and you mm. practice a few times, when it's real time, you are so primed to notice something that's wrong. Mm. Like it's like, oh, this moment is not going how I practice, yeah. therefore I'm not doing well. Whereas a scrap all the practicing mm. things, just know your stuff, get up there, be present, is a much better pathway. Mm-hmm. Do you collaborate with many people? Um, Collaboration is an interesting one. I, like if I was asking you guys questions, I'd be so fascinated to unpack like what some of the things are working. It's a cluster, absolute cluster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. It's, yeah, it's been interesting for me, the whole collaboration thing, because I've um, kind of uh, been lone wolfing it for a long mm. time. So I don't know how well that I play with others, but... Um, Were you like that in school? Yeah, 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 totally. Mm. Yeah. I just did my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how well I am at collaboration. And I also feel like people are a little bit too obsessed with the notion of collaboration. It's become a bit of a, a popular well, narrative. Hit me in the, the DMs moment. for a collab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone just says that. Yeah. YouTubers, yo, hit yeah. me. Hit me mm. up. Yeah. Uh, well, we've, we've found them turbulent. And I think it's the definition that people take into what, you know, into a collaboration of what a collaboration mm. actually mm. is. Well, it might, you know, the, I saw the scale once where there's like, uh, contracting, uh, cooperation, collaboration, and co-creation. And co-creation is fun. This is where mm. this is where like things are flowing and it's mm. just co- co-created. I don't know the distinct nuance of co- what collaboration is, but a lot of people think collaboration is collaboration, but it's really like either contracting or cooperating. Um, mm. Which is, is like what we got to naturally of feeling like my thinking was collaboration is we mutually agree on most mm. things. Mm. We, we meet... Yep. At the Mutual exact same, yeah, yeah, which we discovered that maybe it's not the best way with how we both are. Or having which, someone to lead, being yeah. able to say like collaborating, uh, co-creation yeah. doesn't mean that everyone gets equal say across everything. Yeah, because yeah, uh, all the live performances I've done where I've been kind of doing a joint keynote mm-hmm. or workshop with someone, the worst ones have been where it's 50-50, where mm-hmm. we're both, there's no clear leader and the best ones are, all right, you lead the opening, I'll kind of come in with this bit, mm. you lead that bit, and we'll kind of both see what happens and finish at the end. Mm. And that's 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 much better, like this kind of ebb and flow. This mm. it, it, we, we can't be flat in terms of hierarchy all the time. Sometimes yeah. there needs to be some ebbs and flows, and the thing is just trying to make sure that the hierarchies aren't too fixed and permanent so we can have this kind yeah. of yeah. fluid. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky mode. that you, you, know, you drive along – uh, any street and you see you know big brands and there's a good chance that you've probably worked with some of the top executives in those in those companies helping them with you know complex issues mm. what do you think are some of the universal issues that organizations are dealing with um in a nutshell uh everyone's way too busy mm-hmm. uh the hyper connection of the internet means that work isn't just happening at work anymore they're mm. People are working at homes, they're on their phones all the time. As a result of this, uh, people are kind of feel that they're time poor and don't invest quality thinking into important topics and they find themselves continuously doing things that provide a rich and immediate sense of progress, which could actually be a delusion of progress. So mm-hmm. checking email, firing off emails, hosting meetings, doing all those things just creates all this busyness and noise 
And the question is, is this moving us closer to future relevance? I'm not mm. sure. Um, see, I've just slipped into. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, keynote, I mean, what's yeah. the what's the um, how do you measure the other bit? So I guess like when you're working with uh, big business, the stakeholders want to be like, okay, how how are we going? And mm. you've got a number of metrics that you could use. Mm. How does the measuring align with the new way of thinking of mm. maybe not sending? As many emails as we are. Yeah, I think that I think that we need to loosen our grip on metrics a bit. I think mm-hmm. we become a little bit too metric obsessed, um, and this also relates to people that are overly optimizing their lives. Um, you know, they've got apps for every single thing that they're doing, and they've mm-hmm. got all the numbers that can work, but it can also get to the point where you're actually out of the moment and you're missing key things, mm-hmm. and you're not actually enjoying yourself. So uh, loosen the grip on the metrics and create spaces to do more qualitative sense-making. I'm not saying that metrics are bad, but sometimes we need to just check in with each other. Like say for you guys with this mm. this thing, you could be looking just at the the numbers, right? But I'm sure that every... No, they're on the screen over there. <laughs> yeah. 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 We were My just... Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure that in amongst that, you also have moments where you're hanging out thinking, mm, what, what if this, or maybe we should do this, or... I know that um, you get particularly excited because you'll have conversations with different people asking mm-hmm. them what they think. And if they say, I'm mm, not sure if that's a good idea, you'll be like, awesome, yeah. this is a great idea. Absolutely. And so I guess the the hard bit is intentionality mm-hmm. and consciousness. In some regards, don't you think it relies on measurement uh, in being able to – so when I think about being unconscious, mm-hmm. it's not being aware of what I'm doing. It's not having sort of the the key marks along the way to milestones to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm doing the right thing. How do we stay conscious, intentional, without having to know that uh, this is how many kilometres I walked today? Mm. Um, there's, there's like a calibration based upon what level of distance into the future you're looking at. Mm. So – the further into the future, the fuzzier and more qualitative you want to be. So over a space of a year, choose a one word as a, as a theme, as a mm-hmm. contextual theme to influence the types of decisions you might make. But if you're looking at the next three months or the next month, you might want to crystallize that a bit more into a, a project or something that will have a mm-hmm. deliverable or something mm-hmm. that will be done. And if you're looking at a daily or weekly level, you might want to be more focused on actions. Like I did this thing, like I'm, I'm doing this uh, and that kind of, balances it out. Josh and I are trying to intentionally create a business that is the one that you're saying mm. is the the new way of doing mm. it. How if you're working for someone that is the we're on Slack until 11pm, you're expected to answer your emails every day. When you're in that environment, what's your, how do you, I mean you're at the top talking to the people who run these companies, so you're doing it from the top down. They're the culture mm. makers in yeah, some regard. But right? how do you, if you're an employee... You know, Mr. 97's on Slack until 12 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. Giving us updates. We don't even look at him, but <laughs> we've told him to do it. No, but how do you... That's because what? that's how long his dates go yeah. for. Yeah, how do you counter it without getting fired? Like, Yeah, it's it's really tough. And that's yeah. a big, really important question of our times. And, I mean, the people at the top ought to be the culture makers. Mm. But the, the paradox is a lot of people that have worked themselves into a position of power and authority within large organisations have spent most of their career playing the old game. Mm. And in order to to work in this new world, they need to dismantle the very structures that got them into the place where they mm. are right now. And then you have these pockets of newer ways of thinking in amidst the organisation, which are just kind of working a little bit differently. But again, it's not easy if you've got a manager breathing down your neck saying, I need these reports, and mm. they're saying, I don't think this is meaningful at all. But 
Um, so I don't know is the, the short answer to that. Um, but I do feel like what we're going to see over the next 10 years is this fragmentation. This The old monolithic big companies are going to become more fragmented, smaller, and we're going to have more of a fluid network effect where it's about kind of who you know, the legacy of the work that you've done and you'll just find yourself in different roles and positions and the notion of a career path will be an you know humorous antique you know dated concept mm. of our parents and all you much more about a collection of projects and um, things teams that you've been involved with at different points in time cal newport talks about knowledge workers mm. and it seems like you're a great example of a knowledge worker someone who spends you know large amounts of time in deep work you know, synthesizing your ideas, all of that type of thing. Is the, um, in regards to the future with knowledge work, is there going to be a, a risk? Do you think that it's hard to charge for those sorts of things? Like what's the, what's the future of people who are making their money through coming up with ideas? And I would hope that the future is a little less... Um, it goes back to that guru thing beforehand. Mm-hmm. I would hope that people become wiser to where well, we're not going to see a particular individual with this cult of charisma get obscene amounts of money for essentially synthesizing other people's ideas into mm-hmm. a particular form. I would still think, hope that they'd be paid well, um, but I'd hope that everyone would be paid well no matter what role they play. So I come back to things like roles, right? Mm-hmm. If we see the world as, you know, to quote Shakespeare, all the world's a stage and... Um, all the women and men are but players. Mm-hmm. We see this as first a Shakespeare quote on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, I, I episode two ninety two. I'm not well versed in Shakespeare, <laughs> so I think I mangled that. But if we see this this kind of infinite game uh, of which we all adopt a different role, we do, where we pl- don different costumes, we play a different part in this mm-hmm. grand pantomime that is existence. Um, then, then it becomes less important to kind of win in terms of a capitalist mode. Um, in fact, you know, this is interesting because we're now getting into post-capitalism here, mm-hmm. which uh, I think capitalism is a dated model. We've got ecological unsustainability. We've got inequality. We've got um, alienation in our modern world. This post-capitalism world, it's not to say that capitalism isn't important, but there are other types of capital other than finances. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, you guys excel in is cultural capital. Mm. Uh, this this notion that like your sense of like doesn't buy a fucking bagel though it doesn't no it doesn't <laughs> get you a bagel but I think unless we get a bagel rich. deal yeah for the show which is <laughs> right, five and dime bagels yeah. delicious yeah. some of the best <laughs> yeah. five and dime have you had five and dime bagels I, I, I consider them to be the best in Melbourne. they yeah. they they stock to like forty different cafes oh, yeah. it's actually yeah, yeah, yeah they're they're based in in yeah. Melbourne salted ones pretty delicious. yeah I like yeah. they do like a bacon and chipotle. Uh, maple sort of one, which is delicious yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Five and dime. This is off brand. <laughs> this is off brand for Doctor Fox. Yeah, oh, exactly. Fine. Anyway, he'll send them an invoice. Long story short, I think I think we're in the nascent stages here, and I think this is this is all good work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wrap up. Yeah. Are you I mean, excited about the future? Um. Yes. Please don't like say a, no. It's a, yeah. it's a yes and. It's like I, th- I feel like we're hurtling ourselves towards extinction and uh, we're bringing every beautiful species along with us. Mm. And at the same time, just to simply default to that would be rather um, unsatisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, infinite possibilities and wondrous opportunities offered by the internet, people co-creating with each mm. other uh, uh, amidst a backdrop of, um, you know, concerning... Doom. I mean, what do you think about when you, whenever I do things that are life 
changing for me. Like big steps in life. I think that I uh, start to go into the overthinking mode of being like, what does it all mean? Mm. When you recently bought a new place and all that process, does it go through the back of your mind ever where it's like, Kim Jong-un could fucking blow all this shit up soon anyway. And so what does it all matter? <laughs> I can just well, imagine you sipping, sipping a long <laughs> like just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. yeah but, could you, like, <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, what's it all like? It's a weird thought. Yeah, but it is. But it's also like, you know, do we really like, what's yeah. property going to be worth if we're, there's World War yep, Three? Yeah. Uh, and I think all of these are, are kind of really mature thoughts to, to be having. Mm-hmm. We just don't, don't need to stay in there. There's this, there's this, there's this period of going through where you recognize the meaninglessness of things, mm. but then, and that can be bleak, but then you realize, oh, actually, but there's still meaning. We can't help but make meaning out mm-hmm. of things. So even though there's a backdrop of meaninglessness, we can make things mean things, which means that we can actually, ultimately, if we take all these trappings aside, we know that suffering is real. And if we can align our efforts in a way that reduces or mitigates suffering in the world, we're doing something of meaning. Mm. Uh, your latest podcast episode, you were talking with a friend. Mm. Um, it's not Amanda. It's Amantha. 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 Yes. Nearly. Got there. Very good. Um, you were talking about that you were having thoughts of the commercial viability of your next book, which you <laughs> identified as yeah. the wrong thinking going into an endeavour. Mm. Josh and I talking about the podcast and the yeah. brand we're building out and we have conversations about commercial viability or making money mm. from the thing we do, which I kind of feel like we'll work it out. And so we're not spending all our days trying to work out how to mm. monetize mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. What's, what's your thoughts on things that we need to make money mm. and we're do, spending a lot of time on this thing, yeah. but it's counter to think about the money. How, how, oh, what have man. you tackled? It's how have you wrestled again, this? Again, it comes back to that beautiful paradox. And I think that you guys are doing this so well. Like as in, it inspires me mm. the way that you guys go about this. So what- We don't own any property as well. That's <laughs> yeah. another thing too. So I just put a preface yeah. that. Um, <laughs> or bagels. <laughs> I am. Um, all right. So academic speak, what you guys are demonstrating there is a type of meta rationality. It's a situational meaning making. So uh, it's anti-fragile. It's it's where you're approaching things as what Nassim Taleb, the author of Anti-Fragile, would call as a rational flaneur. Uh, A rational flaneur is someone who kind of makes sense of things as they go uh, uh, and and kind of puts pieces together rather than the the tourist, which will map out a very, very specific plan of everything that needs to be done. And And usually ride on a red bus with... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then this plan might be beautiful and in a traditional sense you'd have these business people say, oh, good plan. But it <laughs> can also be very fragile. All it takes is someone to get unwell or something to not work and then things collapse. So I think your approach is really quite sound. I think your distrust of whatever the conventional narratives are around what you should be doing mm. is also very wise. There's this. You guys spend enough time in this world to have a sense of things and you can kind of – Everyone can tell this, this kind of sense that, oh, I feel like they're kind of selling out a little bit. I feel like the Mm. cracks are showing in terms of their integrity to offering. And and that kind of intuitive sense checking, if you guys keep that alive and not, and this is a risk, um, I remember reading Jason Fried, the um, co-CEO of Basecamp, uh, 37 Signals, was had a chapter about how they don't have goals. They never have mm-hmm. goals. And you recall the one time that they did have goal for Basecamp, a certain number of users by a certain time, 
it led to them doing all sorts of things that in hindsight were brand damaging. Like they mm. pushed sales, they offered discounts, they did all these things just to rush to meet some arbitrary figure. They took a bagel deal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. That sounds like a good deal. But we'll take it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think your approach is good. Unfortunately, it's hard because it's because you're in an emerging pioneering field, there are other reference points to easily mm. point to. Um, but if we just if we sense it based upon your protosynthesis of everything you're I think that the way you guys are going about it makes sense, or at least I'm saying that because I hope mm. that the way I'll go about <laughs> writing a book that's not commercially viable makes sense too. Mm. I mean, the that idea that you're the second or the underdog, you know, like there's always the examples of the Hungry Jacks or the Optus or the Pepsi and being the second player and how that gives you the ability to innovate and be cheeky and mm. to do things in a different way. The fear that uh, I have is, I guess, the more we go on, the more that we can sort of the, say the more people that listen, the the inclination, like there's a, we then tend to start asking the questions of like, we've got more people listening, mm. we've got more to lose, we need to be thinking about, oh, are the new audience, are they going to be resonating with the stuff that we spoke about six episodes mm. ago? Should we be changing? Mm. How do you stay true to your plan when you start to move up the chain from that second yeah, position? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. There's, there's a philosophy that I try to hold on to um, in that uh, success is for losers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the notion that like be very distrustful of the notion of success because mm-hmm. as soon as you consider yourself success, successful, you have something to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this happens, I was chatting with a friend who just got a, a deal with a a, what, a, a bagel company signed, signed, on, signed with a literary agent okay. like uh, based in New York and um, she'd then written more chapters but the chapters her agent said hang on this has changed um, mm. I signed you one because of this type of writing mm. but now you've gone all formal and and stuff and and as soon as you think oh we've got more listeners now we yeah. got to do this thing properly mm. you might lose some of the magic that got you here in the first yeah. place so a tentative thing, I think if it, the metric is more or the focus is more on progress, mm. are we doing better than we did before mm. without it being fixed on a particular thing? That might be helpful. What is better? What I is guess that's what yeah. we're, we're trying to define is it's like for us it's the, um, it's the hybrid, it's the um, proto-synthesis I guess mm. in some, mm. some way where it's like we want to get the – we see ourselves as not the smartest people in the room and so the idea of – bringing the dumb and the smart and the like all of that stuff together. I know it's putting labels on it, but from a, from a way of being able to describe it, mm. I mean, th- mm. that's, how, that's how I actually feel about it. It's like, yeah. let's get different people with different varying levels of experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, would, I can imagine mm-hmm. a world where, like you were just talking beforehand that um, Jordan Peterson was on Q&A. Mm. I can imagine... Folks like that, next time they're in Australia, there'll be a time where like, oh, we've got to get on the Daily Talk Show. Mm -hmm. Like I can see this kind of natural organic growth. I know for me personally, Mm -hmm. because I've been on a lot of podcasts, it is so refreshing to chat with you guys because it feels so real. Whereas on many other uh, shows, it can feel like you're doing some sort of co like i'm gonna make you look good you make yeah. me look good and stuff yeah and i think that you guys just stay the course uh, as you are um you know i don't i, I don't know i don't yeah because there will be a, a bunch got, of people a magic thing going on yeah because yeah. i think there's there'd be a bunch of people who would see our shtick where it's like bringing them in to interview mr 97 and it, if we did the, if we got jordan peter fuck could you imagine jordan <laughs> peterson <laughs> that'd be just that'd be amazing. Keep, your, keep your shoulders up yeah. what does he say yeah. 
Keep your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy knows what he says. Uh, what does he say? Up, like a lobster or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> stand up straight. Put your shoulders back. Um, I love okay. it. Um, but there's also this thing. He's where already got great posture. He's ninety seven. They would yeah. not say oh, the best core say. I've ever seen. Yeah. I. Uh, but there's this also this thing like this within organisations in the corporate world. There is this dearth of authenticity and congruence, mm. right? And I can imagine. I don't know. There's some sort of a, there's something you're doing. I'm not sure how it translates, and uh, I'd be very wary of business plans. But mm. experimenting with little projects. All right, let's just see if that works over the next month or three. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't, we'll drop it. I'm glad it doesn't make sense to you because it doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. For you, Josh, you did your podcast mm-hmm. um, years and years ago. It was ten episodes. Yeah, Josh speaking. I, what? But think about the guy you were then mm-hmm. to what we do now. Yeah, and what. It, was there a sense of thinking about what people wanted? Did you? What do you think there, the learning there was? Uh, I reckon it was an ex- creative expression, and it just fit, and this is where I think a lot of people are getting into podcasting now, where it's like, oh, this is a great opportunity just to meet with people. Yeah. And so I think the hard thing is, as I go on and see more podcasts evolve, it seems like that's the the reason that people get into the game. Mm. And so it becomes they're leading with I'm doing this because I want to meet with this person versus a curiosity. I think that's mm. part of it. It's like mm. curiosity. It's like I can't – I don't feel comfortable asking a person to say, hey, can I just uh, chat to you for an hour and just ask you sort of questions that mm. could be confronting. But if I have a microphone, it seems like I can maybe get away with a lot. This For me, creativity – and tools are a mechanism for like a safety net for me to be able to ask things and sound dumb or get things wrong and Mm. be okay yeah yeah and and there's also from the other perspective um it's also quite nice to be able to do something that's one to many Mm -hmm. um whereas you know my inbox is overflowing with not overflowing. I get I get people saying i'd love to shout you a coffee and pick your brain Mm -hmm. and i think it's probably not going to be the best use of my time for an hour. But if it's like, hey, I'd like to, um, you know, would you like to be on the podcast? Because mm. then they can ask me the questions, but yeah. then I know that the answer is going to help more than just one person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that even how you and I, Jason, got in touch initially was through I saw a talk that you did and I was like, we need a reason to collaborate. And I think that part of it is like at the beginning, these things aren't always clear. Yeah. And it's like trying to – do you have any thoughts around how to identify – you know, you want to reach out to people, you want it – like how, how do you position it? How do you, how do you frame it to, to connect with people? Oh, no, I wish I knew. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. And particularly without relying on social media yeah. too, It's because uh, then what are you left with, an email channel? I'd say there's, there's this one guy once who sent me an email – and he had a little video that he put in there, totally yeah. personalized. And he had like the book and he just talked about, he did all that, like he stroked my ego. Yeah, perfect. Hugely. Yeah. And it was super effective. And then I caught up with him in New York when I was there. And um, and I feel like, again, there's probably more than that human vulnerability of making the effort mm. probably helps with connecting yeah. with folks. There's t- so many things at play. El- um, timing, mm. when you slip into someone's inbox. How did you guys do it? Well, I think I, I think I just emailed. The good thing is, what where I feel really lucky is that I've been doing the video stuff for a while. So I've created this thing outside myself, which is what I call like my work. Yeah. And so my work is almost 
um, people saying, "Oh, this is how this is what Josh is like." Yeah, if that, mm. like it's an ex- it's a self expression without me having to say this is the type of guy I am. Yeah, so I can send like I remember I think I sent links to. Uh, an off-screen magazine video I made and things like that. Yeah, so Jason yeah. can look at it and say, I, people, you know, Seth Godin always talks about people like us do things like this. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part of it is it's a process in the email of like, how can I show you the, the similarities in each yeah. other? How can I show that we have similar taste? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that hence where we then get back into the whole preening, you know, mm. the fact that the internet has this legacy this, these petrified snapshots of our past selves that we can kind of influence and manage to some mm. degree, but we don't also want to get too swept up on it. Mm. So you emailed, you shared a few links. I remember mm. I saw the video that you did of the comedian and stuff. Like okay, that. yeah, yeah, Loved Simon Taylor. Real yeah. that was and yeah. stuff. And yeah, then on the phone and you've got good phone manner. <laughs> <laughs> so are we talking about <laughs> Mr. 97's date? Or <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're actually, we're going into okay. more details. <laughs> so you guys recently, oh, you put out a video that Josh... Yes, and you yes. collaborated or what's co-created? Co-created mm. is the. Yes. Sounds like we had a child together. <laughs> no, no, basically, yeah, yeah, it we, was the evolution we of the did day. Co-create yeah. this digital thing, and when was it filmed? Was in June, it? July? June, July? No, June. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. It was yeah. before Just I went before away. Went away. Mm. It was the experience that I loved with it is your willingness to sit on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> from a, like a, a the as a as a self-confessed procrastinator yep. and a lover of uh, thinking about things and moving things around and it sort of becomes this game of chess where it's like a little bit slower for me it was like a unique experience that you gave me to sort of allow that process yeah because when you started josh was like i work best in sprints so yeah. you know we'll, we'll kind of get this thing filmed and within mm-hmm. um a few few days and yeah. we'll have a like a working yeah. rough draft but that, it took maybe seemed to be over a period of weeks yeah. that the filming was accumulated mm. and then of course in amongst josh being uh, traveling overseas and all that these little snippets and update but the the thoughtfulness that went into it is mm. like it's like the questions that you guys have on your show there's uh, josh is there with the camera and of course, I have in my mind a particular version of a narrative that yeah. I'd, like, I'd love for people to see. Look at this confident um, yeah. authority and stuff. But then I also have enough distrust of that because if I was just to simply do that, if yeah. I was to create this myself, I'd create this thing that I would I would loathe and be mm. not wi- willing to share. Uh, and instead, I think Josh is incisive questions and just presented a much more rounded and more human version mm. of this. Uh, uh, of the approach that I take and, and... Well, that's co-creation and it's finest. You're actually putting trust in what he does, you're bringing what you have, but yeah. not saying yours is yeah, the way it Yeah, it was a really be. beautiful process because I think a lot of the times that I'm, when I've worked with folks, you know, you have a provider that is trying to like give the client what they want, mm. but often the client doesn't really know what they want and also if they think they know what they want, it's pretty often not really what they really need yeah um so the trust thing is really really handy you know to Mm. to actually be like all right this is co-created here i'm going to reveal bits of myself and you can hang on that sounded (laughs) 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 parts of my my identity and stuff and yeah and it it, it flowed beautifully The, the funny thing is i've got this wonderful short documentary it's about nine minutes it's beautiful so artfully shot and like the as from a videography uh or filmmaking perspective 
uh, filmmaker perspective. Yeah. It is beautiful, the, the kind of the lacing of the soundtrack and how the, the scenes thread and how you've got these juxtapositions and these like little hints and stuff. It is, it is a work of art. Mm. I am so, so I'm beyond chuffed with it. Like it is, it is so beautiful. The thoughtfulness that is baked into every single element of this is wonderful. And still, I find it kind of awkward to share. You yeah. know? Um, I, I love it so much, but there's something funny about, hey, here's a, here's a short documentary about me and the process I take towards um, you know, doing a keynote. It was actually me. Doing, and I've I mentioned it in my newsletter, but with a bunch of other things, I haven't shared it on LinkedIn and uh, it's, it's there on YouTube, but I haven't really promoted it. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I think yeah. it's that, well, uh, Tommy and I talk about this a lot, which is that... Getting a video done uh, for your company or your personal brand, whatever, however you want to sort of phrase it, it is hard to then put it out into the world mm. without it looking like a big promo piece. I mm. think that the thing is what I loved with the process is you allowed me to identify the narrative for you. You didn't dictate mm. the narrative. You didn't say I need to look this certain way. Mm. And so I had the framing of... I really like Jason. I want to celebrate Jason. I want to, sh- and part of celebration for me is that we are these complex people, and that we're not just this like kicking goals all the time. But yeah. there's levels of if if you want to celebrate someone doing a talk, seeing their struggle or seeing mm. their self doubt actually makes it, I think, a lot more powerful. Mm. And you're also very good at protecting. Uh, the integrity of, of, of that as mm. well. Because I remember there were times where I'm like, oh, I've got this, like I've met up with Josh. I've prepared these things. I thought it might be good to, um, you know, to talk through the steps that I take and they're all written out and Josh mm. is like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do some other things. Yeah. First. Yeah. So I kind of deliberately didn't go to the yeah. to the prepared stuff and that allowed us to capture more of the real stuff. Yeah, well, um, if you think about it, it's like um, if you are right-handed and you're making a video that requires both hands to be used, it doesn't make sense to lead with the strong strong arm. Mm. And so for me it was like I knew that you were comfortable in this realm of mm. you understood your material and I had no doubt that you yeah. were going to be able to nail it because that's what you do in a presentation. So it's about, for me, it's like leading in the ambiguity, leading with the stuff that makes us uncomfortable because then we can have so much fun in the other bit which, be, which comes easy. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this, watch our YouTube channel or go to our YouTube channel forward yeah. slash The Daily Talk Show. We're going to put the video that we're talking about at the end of this yeah, podcast. Great. But um, before we get to that, you, re- you released a book. What's the difference between, like, in terms of how you felt? Two books. Put, putting out mm. the second book, mm. the first book and the second book versus this. Like, did you have the same anxiety, the same thoughts? Yeah, there, there's something. And, and it's, I think that we just need to get better at that. Like, I, you, you, you kind of, you, you, need, you become a slave to your past self. I need to champion this work, mm. even though my thinking has evolved since it's been published. Um, so, there, there, I guess there's more of me in the video than the book it's easy to kind of just start talking about the ideas and mm, stuff yeah. um but you you're actually seeing me on the screen and and it's probably all the primal awkwardness that we have with hearing our own voice recorded or seeing ourselves like oh that's that what i look like is that what i sound <laughs> like so there's all that but I mean, it's a beautiful video i mean I, I love it the documentary is wonderful 
And I'm just really curious as to what these odd psychological quirks are yeah. that kind of, but I, I think, I think you're right. Like that, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you for sharing it after the video. It's lovely. It's, it's so much easier when I can encourage other people to share. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what's the, um, your palette for feedback? Like, like, um, I disabled comments on YouTube. <laughs> why'd, you, why'd you do that? So it's interesting. Cause I, um, I'm haunted by these really old uh, TEDx videos that I did. I just spoke at TEDx Perth like maybe 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And because it's got the most views, it kind of goes up to the mm -hmm. top when people yeah. search. Um, and then you have people kind of critiquing my thinking, my style and so on. And it just reminds me of like a self that I no longer am anymore. And yet I know what kind of forms a first impression. Mm -hmm. Protosynthesis. That's right. You've, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly. different to who you yeah. were 12 years ago. And uh, well, we're different today to who we were mm. yesterday. I'm um, pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, similar. You're wearing the same Most hat. Yeah, Intimately yeah. continuous. Um, <laughs> Mr. 97 has had some serious, um, he's a different man. Changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's synthesized. He's done. Oh, yeah, he's actually yeah. like. Downloaded. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but it's also, I know that you, when you publish a video with the comments, you're going to get a lot, lot of the nice kind of generic comments like, oh, wow, that's great. So mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's a saccharine quality of LinkedIn where everyone can post any bullshit and people are going to come in and say, oh, wow, so awesome. Oh it's the God, circle so jerk, which we spoke about on our first episode. I was trying not to mention that because I've been <laughs> saying that term a little bit too much. But yeah, it's, it's the circle jerk. And yeah. There's, you spend enough time in the circle jerk and you realise actually there's a better way. Yeah, uh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the equivalent of asking your family for feedback in it. Mm, yeah. yeah. Unless you ask my mum. Yeah. <laughs> She'll <laughs> slam me. No, but I think no, she's actually supportive. Yeah. Um, and so what's the where where is the place for feedback in this whole process? Mm, well, I'm very... It's I have, not on your YouTube video. Yeah. I have, I have like, like I make a sign. I have wards against unsolicited feedback or like... People give me unsolicited feedback mm. and I've learned to kind of keep it trapped in this nebulous field. So I don't actually take it into my psyche because some of the feedback I'd get for my speaking uh, was like, you speak too fast. You say, I'm an R. You need to sound more confident. You need to blah, 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 blah. And I learned that ignoring all of that stuff is what led me to get uh, keynote speaker of the year. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I know that often people feel the need to give advice and mm. uh, offer perspective that you haven't asked for. Um, or if I ever need to ask for advice or a perspective, I'll be very specific in what I'm looking for. So I might share a chapter and I might be something like, okay, I just want to, you know, how does this feel? I'm a little bit worried about the tone here. I don't want to sound mm -hmm. condescending or something. And, and then I'm getting feedback filtered through that lens rather than talking about the idea itself or. Mm, I'm pretty self-critical. Like I think over the time, mm. I've, I, I observe what I'm doing and I, and I make the changes along the way. Is yeah. there a time to actually just go the opposite direction to what you normally feel and actually take it on? Maybe, not to, I'm maybe. not talking yeah, to yeah. random. I think, I think that you'll, I mean, but the whole, the, the, Hugh Guyton has this book called Ignore Everybody and 39 Other Keys to Creativity. Yeah. And I've ignored his book. I've <laughs> <laughs> not read it yet. Exactly. Sounds good. And I think that if we acknowledge that, like, I have more than enough self-criticism yeah. to, like, I don't need additional stuff on top. Yeah. Like, I am super critical with myself, uh, which is an interesting thing that uh, self-improvement is self-loathing in a way. Yeah. So there's, you could, there's got to be some bits of yourself that you don't quite accept or feel as good enough if you want to improve. So it's that juxtaposition of self-loathing, self-loving, and so on. Um but, you know, to accept feedback and stuff like that, if I'm entering a whole new domain, 
Like I've been considering the the benefits of going into something or doing some impro, Im, improv training, like improvisation. Yeah, and that'd stuff be like fun. That, which would be cool. And it's also like I'm willing to suspend any of my own assumptions and stuff in that area because I don't really know enough and it would be, mm. it'd be fun to play with. So yeah, I would love to watch you do improv. You yeah. should do like a full like <laughs> next yeah. documentary. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you were like. No, I'm talking about you. I think you'd yeah. be great. Well, maybe. I mean, I tried with the whole interview with Mister Ninety Seven. <laughs> no, well, is, this is improv. I think you and I, Josh, are getting better at improvising mm. content and, and yeah. ideas. And mm. but I like the idea of entering into different personalities as oh, well, okay. like different characters. Yeah. Um, I do, could yeah. we potentially – I w- want to ask about social media mm. and then I wanted yeah. to – maybe we could finish on Mr. 97. If you could think about a scene and give us all different uh, characters, uh, so basically the location and then give us each a character <laughs> in that location and then we're going to finish the show with an uh, improv scene. Throw so into the video. It could yeah. be a shop, uh, a supermarket yeah. – and I am the supermarket attendant. Is that what I you call he, it? Like he glances at Tommy. Like, do I? Do yeah, I do I yes, do yes, another silly idea that yeah. Josh is bringing and we're, we're to the it. podcast without uh, this is running a new, it past. Improv. So think about ninety seven. Mm. But um, I will just say bagel shop. <laughs> bagel? No, absolutely not. Yeah, uh, could you imagine? Actually, anyway, <laughs> and we'll leave that to ninety seven. Like, social no, media, so, social media stuff. Uh, I had a a moment yesterday where I realised. I have retired from social media. I put into the uh, in November. I put into the description of everywhere I've retired from social media. Mm-hmm. You can visit my website. <clears throat> my website hasn't stayed as current mm. as I had this sort of um, idealistic view mm. that I was going to be doing deep work every mm. Sunday mm-hmm. and it was going to be raining and I was going to be sort of we don't live in London and mate. it was going to be you know I was going to be part of the five a.m. club writing yeah. these muses. Anyway, that hasn't happened. But yesterday. I uh, deleted from LinkedIn on the description about retiring from social media and made a few adjustments and started engaging mm, again. Yeah, I mean, you're a you're a, a social media, uh, wouldn't say critic, but you are very critical of social media and where it sits. What's what's your thinking? Yeah, yeah, I feel like social media platforms. Let's talk about allergies. Like, mm-hmm. I'll need to go in there, kind of holding my breath, like. Mm-hmm. Like this is pungent, you know, I go into the space and I just try to get yeah. what I need to do done and yeah. get off there. Um, but there's an EpiPen in hand. ready <laughs> for But it's kind of odd because the algorithms reward those that are spending more time in there. Mm. So I might make a post and share it to the 8,000 folks on LinkedIn, um, but only get seen by a small proportion. But mm-hmm. the old mate who has a couple of thousand, but mm-hmm. is on there every day, he shares it and 1,500 people see it. Sure. So, so there's this thing like, I don't know, can you win? Do you want to win? All mm-hmm. of those things. And the answer is generally not really. Yeah. Do you want to win? I think is a very interesting yeah. question because I think that confidence wise, Tommy and I are like, yeah, we can win. We can win. There's yeah. no doubt that we can win all these different yeah. battles, oh, yeah. but I think it's could. like, which fucking battle do we need? Cause yeah. we could win in revenue. We could bring in more money. We can have more yeah. clients. Yeah. We can be working five, seven days a week. Yeah. No problem. Mm. But do we want to win? Is that what we want? Yeah. What's the prize for winning? Yeah. That's, like yeah. they vary between the yeah sleepless maybe nights. P- maybe yeah. people don't think about social that. media corrupts the moment and stuff. So the prize will be that you're spending a lot of time on your phones, I imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. And for me, the cost of this stuff is that I'm not writing my next book, and that feels yeah. like the most important thing for me to do at the moment. So in terms of social media, my stance currently is um, 
it's almost like I've created avatars of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like, I'm going to D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, wizard speak here. Great. But you like, you cast like an illusion or an apparition of yourself. Uh, and they kind of program to just, you know, to be like a, a relay to sh- occasionally share things of import. But then I'm not actually there. I'm not present. I'm not in the platform itself. Mm. And then I have enough like uh, wards in place so that if like the the alerts like someone's mentioned you on Twitter or mm. someone's like liked or commented on a post that you made on LinkedIn, I don't see that stuff, mm. and it's just only occasionally when I dip in there once or twice a week. The thing is, I don't even think that is useful. I'm like, why yeah. do I like I deactivated yeah. Facebook? Yeah, not I've deleted that. Facebook. But mm. the thing is, like, this is a good example where it's like um, the video that I you know we co-created it's like I'm like I actually want to sh- I want to share I this and so I, I then I'm like okay well maybe LinkedIn has a, a place well there's this thing too like I want to celebrate your the, the filmmaking that you've done like the, the beautiful thing that you've put together and mm. it, that allows me like mm. more motivation like actually I'm actually this is good I can honor Josh through mm. doing this. That gives me an access and a motivation to get on there. Mm. And also, but there's also the knowingness of like how how effective will this be? Because I haven't really been, you know, bowing myself to the algorithms on the different platforms. Yeah. So fucking algorithms. It's hard because it's it, all these things do service if we uh, do it in a way that then works for us as individuals. Because mm. mm. you two both overthink social media. Mm. Yeah. And but then does it serve you not to overthink it? Maybe, but then. It's 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 weird. It's again, very I, I remember I, I saw your um, fishing video. Oh yeah, got the t-shirt oh. on today. Yeah, before, fishing. Yeah. 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 Fishing. before I knew of you, like, like it just it just through Wikipedia. Did you see it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like it, it appeared on LinkedIn and stuff. I was doing the rounds and stuff, and it's kind yeah. of cool. And then when we met in real life. And he's connect and stuff, and it helps. To I was on a O-bike to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Still pushing, <laughs> pushing it hard. So, so yeah, these things do serve a purpose. But well, it's, it's just like saying, Josh, about the personal work, sending it through to you off screen. Like you get a sense of where he's from. That's helped me create that personalised content mm. to then when I meet somebody, they kind of get a they gauge who, who I am. Yeah, but yeah, could yeah. we do that? Could TJ, could you have done that without social media? Uh, no, I don't think so. You don't think? I think I've been a really great um, networker mm-hmm. and I've had a huge network mm-hmm. from when I was young based on going out, speaking to people, my confidence and just mm-hmm. l- my love of having conversations. But it is heightened through social media. The risk is, right, you either go, you go all platforms and then you come a bit dilute mm-hmm. and you're not really excelling at any of them or you choose a platform to do really well in, but like what we've seen with Facebook, what's happening with Instagram, what could happen with LinkedIn, the rugs could be pulled underneath mm-hmm. you and this little empire that you've built because you don't really own the media there yeah. or in the followings, one day you can find yourself in a really fragile position where yeah. it's disappeared. Because as we know, there's always a rug sale. well the the other thing too is it's like i think you can i think you can be confused into believing that you're being strategic around say instagram Mm. specifically that idea of like you know what i'm gonna i'm decided i'm focusing i'm getting rid of everything i'm just gonna stay on instagram is is based on the idea that instagram is the thing right now right so it actually strategically you could say it makes sense Mm. but the reason you're going on instagram is just because that's where the likes are coming in Mm. that's where the engagement i wouldn't be surprised if at some stage in the future there's some blockchain built platform that'll become the thing Mm. um uh, I just don't know yeah. where it is or what but it then is. Then we'll all be overthinking that too. We'll all be like, <laughs> How do yeah. I need, what is yeah. Bitcoin? I mm. still don't know. Yeah, well, I think that then yeah. it would be... <laughs> do I need it to get in? What no, do I, <laughs> just 
mind. No, I think that it would, <laughs> it, it would get, to a, get to a point where, yeah, like I think that we, mm. um, I imagine the curator part will be interesting. I could imagine like within uh, blockchains, initially I could imagine it being a free-for-all, everyone, you know, connecting and following to everything. And then we'll realise that, okay, we only have the capacity to follow 100 people before mm. diminishing returns or it starts getting hard. Mm. And that's where I think the place of curators, like say the Daily Talk Show being like, we spoke about these things on mm. the show and <coughs> we're starting. But I think that the risk is that we then become the same thing that Instagram yes. is, which is we are controlling yep. the world in which our listeners or viewers see the world. Mind you, curation is good. I mean, I think that what's interesting in amongst all this social media mess, there are some things that really haven't changed, like an email list. I think podcasts have been uh, relatively kept pure yeah. and uncorrupted mm. by mm. advertising and um, algorithms. Um, I think that the, there's more than enough content on the internet now. Um, no, not say it. Let me rephrase that. There's a lot of content on the internet. There could mm. be more good content. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think what's lacking nowadays is context for us to gather. And I think we're going to start seeing this resurgence of people going out camping together or having like a little festivals under the stars or something. These things that people thought would go away. Now there's actually this kind of quiet resurgence or this renaissance of of meaningful live gatherings that mm-hmm. complement the online worlds that we live. Mm. Yeah, it's like interesting because it. there is a there is a sense that we just want to disconnect from all mm. of this and th- those things yeah. really sort of are the representation of, of what that is. Mm. Improvisation time, Mr. 97, what's the location to start I, I will just say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't Never want to do this. Swag. No, this is <laughs> right. I'm the only one that I, does. One what we're doing. One the, okay, a couple of quick principles of improvisation from what I know. Oh, it's good. like yes and, so you just got to say yes to everything. Yes. And Perfect. your primary thing is to make others look good. Yeah, so, so we're going to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's the opposite of our friendship, Josh <laughs> and I. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so you need to support this, TJ. Yeah, this yeah, is a great no. idea. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, I've got no idea why this uh, popped into my mind, but yeah. Josh, you're a uh, shop assistant at Bunnings. Okay, great. Who's <laughs> meant to know everything about everything. Perfect. And uh, yeah. Tommy, Tommy, you're coming into Bunnings to pick up stuff and... Jason, you're a uh, tradie or someone coming past giving unsolicited advice because Josh doesn't know what he's doing. That's okay, great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he thinks right. he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he's <laughs> just talking a bit of rubbish and then Jason, you come mm. in and yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Perfect. Right. So uh, do you want me to start? Uh, yeah. Thank God you're here. Yeah, do you want me to start? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy, you start. Uh, uh, excuse me, mate. Do you know where the, um, you know those things where you like um, knock them into the wall, but you've got the cord that goes through and you and it helps just keep it on the wall? Do you oh, plugger dugs. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, no, uh, uh, nails. I think what you're uh, referring nah, to mate, is nails. Plugger dugs. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I reckon I reckon Jason came in way too yeah, 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 yeah. I came in pretty hard Like I over, overthought it Can we start again? Okay Can we start? <laughs> Where did he come from? Alright There needs to be a rule <laughs> there, There's 10 seconds There's got to be 10 seconds Okay Between Tommy and I need to say Josh has got to struggle a little bit Like Yeah Yeah Like a Where Okay Alright we'll start again When do I enter? You enter as soon as I think That I've said something That you can then add to Potentially Yeah I'm just loitering behind Yeah exactly So but you haven't even I don't think you've entered the scene Yeah it's like you walk up Mid conversation And then he's like Oh hang on he's got it because my boss is paying For the time right So yeah Yeah Perfect Okay I'm approaching Josh. Hey, how you going, mate? Oh, g'day, mate. Um, 
I just need some Sally's All Clear. What aisle is that one in? Sally's All Clear, mate. That would either be six, seven, or eight, depending on the length. What are you looking to clear? Uh, so what I'm trying to plug is a, a six, hole. seven, or eight. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah. It depends on what he's looking to clear. So what I'm looking to do is fill up a hole that my son punched in the wall. Mm, okay. I would what, definitely. Some little karate kid. Oh, mate, you should. Have you got kids? Uh, I reckon six no, would have no, it. Mate. Got a got a dog. Yeah, it's, um, so which aisle is it? I'm unsure. Six, seven, or eight? I'm which thinking one? maybe six <laughs> now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I need to learn improv, right? I think it's it was. Hard. Yeah, it's. I think. I reckon 97 <laughs> fucked it. I think. <laughs> the bagel shop. I was thinking the whole time. Bagel gear, bagel gear, well, bagel I, I gear. Can, I can, can sense I? that Tommy actually goes to Bunnings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. I definitely. I mean, I've been. What was the thing called? Clear. Sally's all clear. Oh, Sally's all clear. There was an ad. Add for it. Anyway, that's Sounds the daily like talk show. We got to. If you're listening, go over to our YouTube channel and look up this episode two ninety two. We're about to play the video that Josh and Jason co-created. Mm-hmm. It's a documentary, nine minutes. What? Which enjoy it? Okay, yeah. It's a daily enjoy. talk show. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com If you want to send unsolicited feedback, uh, otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. See you guys.